honestly, because I, this cancel culture, it's so funny, when they do polls, they find like 80 to 90% of the people in this country hate this shit. Yep. Even From Esther's Longhouse, the Nordic Pub and Cigar Lounge, this is the Boomer Millennial Divide, with Boomer Brett Henry and Millennial Drew Forbes. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We have been gone a long time. Long, long, long because time. That COVID thing going on out there, but we're gathered back here at Esther's Longhouse. We've got a special guest, a white guy who quit his job. <laughs> How y'all doing? Why don't you do the introductions? So we have with us today, Mr. Kurt Calvin who uh, we brought in because of his experience working in a hospital. Um, as most people know, uh, it's been a pretty interesting time to work in a hospital these days. So, Kurt, thanks for coming on, man. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here and uh, appreciate the good smoke and uh, That's right. the good single malt that we got going on here. Appreciate Esther's Longhouse. This is a beautiful place, and I'm just happy to get here and kick it off right. Hell yeah. What, what, are, we, what are we smoking here? We are smoking an Alec Bradley Magic Toast. Can't tell you anything about it. Just pulled it out of the humidor. It's good. But I hope you enjoy it. I like it. It's got a very dark wrap on it. Mm-hmm. Tastes, tastes pretty medium. Not, yeah. not, a, not too strong or anything like that, but I I just, I'm just, just kicking it off. Smooth smoke, for sure. And we're having Stranahan's from Colorado, a... Uh, bourbon out of there i just brought back on a road trip and uh we have some guests i said you only get one class because you can't find this stuff <laughs> <laughs> say hi newman i know you're back there what's going on Would newman's you- gonna serve the role of uh cackler in the in the background <laughs> well if you if you listen Let's be real it's what i do best mm-hmm. if you listened to the beginning we're also going to be talking about uh, along with this pandemic and and uh, how it's affected those in the medical industry. But we're also going to be talking about the cancel culture. Yep, we brought on a white guy especially to talk about cancel culture. Exactly. Yep. Just going to white-splain it to everybody. Yep. Fair. Get ready. We're, we're going to get a good mix of Caucasian and mansplaining out of Kurt today. I can feel it. Ready. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. But six months off we've been. And uh, mostly because I didn't want to kill my dad. Um, <laughs> at the beginning, when nobody really knew what this thing was, it was like, hey, probably shouldn't go see my boomer dad. Cause, uh, so he left me here smoking cigars yep. and drinking whiskey yep. all day long. Just like the doctor prescribed. Cigar but, a day. But yeah, six months off, man. We, our last podcast was recorded at the very beginning of March, right before the world ended. Uh, and I believe it was with Macy. But, yeah. So, the audience, of course, all knows who Macy is. That's right. Another white guy. Just another white guy. And we brought on the podcast. That's right. So, anyway, those are uh, what we're going to be discussing today. And, Kurt, you did just quit your job. Uh, Yeah, I think it was a long time coming. It's not just due to the pandemic, but just overall. uh, Been in the industry for six years. And it's been a long road. Moved back to my hometown here. Got engaged. So, uh, pandemic was a little bit part of it, 
Um, but I'm also going to be starting my own business coming up here. So uh, things are tough in the medical field, and sometimes you feel a little short of resources, whether you're nurses, whether you're environmental services, uh, any one of the streamlines in the hospital. I think a lot of people are feeling like they're grasping at straws and uh, you know, looking for a lifesaver and not really getting it. Now, you were, your job, you were managing people that were cleaning up the COVID. Oh, yeah, environmental okay. services. So, so um, tough job. You know, you don't hear much uh, uh, really about that, you know, but everybody in the hospital is really being, including fellow patients, I yeah. suppose. I mean, you're, you know, the, saying that doctors and nurses are the real hero, heroes, which they are, but then you also have this cleanup staff who serves just as important of a purpose. You know, they're trying to prevent people that are coming for medical attention to not get something in addition to that. So extremely important on top of all that for sure well front front line defense on infection prevention man i mean it's it's not the nurses the doctors or the techs that are going in there and disinfecting the rooms in between patients especially when that's in the emergency room when you're seeing that increase in that flux of patients and you're saying oh this is a covid patient possibly in this room there's all kinds of different types of procedures that go into that different things that hold up patient throughput as well to get these patients up into the floor because we're waiting for covid tests to come back we have to wait about 30 minutes. The recommendation is actually an hour, depending on the air exchanges in the room before we can go in and clean it as well. And then you have your also your housekeepers who are getting paid, let's just say not at the top of the line there that are expected right. to go in and have this thing disinfected for the people. So it's, it's a tough job for sure. So what were you what were you hearing from your team as they're working? Were they where was their anxiety level? Uh, to start, extremely high. I mean, I think anybody who turned on the news uh, was getting some anxiety when it came to this. I mean, Drew said it right from the beginning. I didn't want to kill my boomer dad <laughs> coming over yeah. for the podcast. I mean, you guys laid off for six months. I mean, that's how the anxiety was just for you guys who aren't working in the medical field. But you can imagine frontline workers that are also starting wage for my team members is around $10 an hour hiring. Wow. And it's, wow. it's crazy, too, because the six-month layoff, by the way, that was completely voluntary because back, all the way back in March, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis did declare this podcast as essential. So we could have we, <laughs> we kept going on uh, per DeSantis' decree, but we decided to shut it down for the, for the greater good. Well, like the WWE, it's just essential. we got to have wrestling exactly. in Florida. That's We're just goes. as essential as WWE, I would argue. <laughs> Maybe a little bit less, but... Now, from the Washington Post... I tried to do some research, how Ooh. that affected them. Yeah, that's unusual yep. on this podcast. It's a special podcast. But this was back in June, and they had more than 400 people in the industry have, have died. And quite honestly, they may be overlooking, like you said, the, um, uh, what do you call them, the house cleaning staff and, and those kind of people coming through there. Um, this was back in June. There's in the big complaint then, and I don't know how you guys were outfitted, but mm -hmm. a lack of PPE. Mm -hmm. So how were you outfitted? Um, well, there was just, I think it was all about logistics, being afraid about the PPE, being able to get more in, and the amount that you were having to use in between patients, every single person, you're having a gown, having an N95, having a face shield, and they were trying to figure out what we could do to reuse some of these items, recycle some of these items. I mean, that's, that's how alarmed they were that they could be short on the PPE. Now, the PPE was never denied to anybody at any time. It People, was not. In, in your hospital. The PPE, uh, that's for the payment protection 
What, what is PPE? No, 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 no. Personal protective equipment. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm mistaking that with PPP. I think. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all these at, acronyms at the facilities that I was at, that was never, uh, an issue. Um, it was certainly a question. I mean, they had to bring it to a, what they called a PPE czar. So it was a centrally located one person with access to the PPE to issue it out to who needed it at that point in time. That's how scrupulous they were being. I mean, as far as right. like, Hey, we need to watch this closely depending on what's going to happen. Cause a lot of these supplies came from overseas. They came from China. They came right. from other areas like that too, right. which, they didn't know how that was going to impact it as well with, with the CDC and whoever else, the health officials that are inspecting that. Now, how long was it before or did you ever see an influx, a more, in, uh, you know, where we finally had enough PPE? Um, the, the reason I bring that up, there, there was in this article in the Washington Post, it talked about um, how a union back in January 24th warned their hospital that they were, Short, short, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody listened. Of course, then then the the push came on. We couldn't find toilet paper. We couldn't find yeah some of the weirdest stuff. And, and the I'm best sure, of human nature certainly comes out it, these times. It really kicks in. So uh, some of the 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 people in this article said that you know that was a result of a lot of the deaths, right? You know, because they they and they would get chastised if they didn't follow the reuse, you know, they say use a single mask all day and maybe the second day, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But these, uh, these pandemics and, you know, just crises always exposes uh, companies and how well pre- prepared they are for this. Um, and in our case, in the world's case, expose the entire world how unprepared they were for this pandemic. And there's been TED Talks, you know, a lot of people have warned us about this for many, many years. Um, and we didn't really listen. Now, you know, there was a time when they were like, don't buy masks. Nurses need masks. And now it's like, everybody needs masks. I mean, there's a guy in the corner of my street that was selling masks the other day. It's stuff that he knit in the back alley. I've heard. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Yeah. He he put them together with, with, you know, flakes of his own skin and stuff (laughs) that he found in the alley, but they were masks, you know, (laughs) he's putting forth the effort. No, there, that, that's gotten to be a big, um, a lot of people have been making masks from home and distributing them. I think there was somebody else in your neighborhood very seriously yeah. that was actually doing that, right? And giving away yeah, for free. It was adorable. She had this little, uh, um, I don't, I'm just assuming it's a little old lady because the, the gesture was very little old lady like, but put out a table in, in Kenwood, the neighborhood in, in St. Pete. And it just had all these masks that she made custom, and it said, "Take one if you need one." I thought that was really cool. It is cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and the mask thing—I mean, it was definitely a miscommunication. I feel like we, you know we're getting told to go one direction and then brought another. But at the hospital, if you're coming into the facility, whether you work there, um, there's no visitors allowed at the point in time. But you are having your temperature taken. You're asked a series of questions, and then you're issued a general surgical mask before you go in. Something you'd see a, a general doctor wearing, or something around the facility. Uh, if you refuse to take a flu shot during the year, they'll actually make you wear that mask throughout the year. So kind of standard practice there, and it's precautions that they were taking. But the PPE thing was definitely a big scare for everybody, and they started actually downgrading masks though as well. So from the N95. They were actually, if you're on the units that possibly could have COVID, if you're not going into a room, you're actually downgraded to, a, I think it's called a K- KN95 I, or a KN94. I can't remember, but 
there was a lot of backlash about that when they were downgrading the mask for sure from people and nurses saying, well, why aren't we getting the N95s that we might need if we're saying that this thing is, is in the air and we could possibly inhale it? What's an N95 look like? I mean, I keep hearing that term. But. Well, there's all different kinds. You have a duckbill N95, which is built to basically cover your entire face, like any face size. If you have a big face, you know, lean oh, face. We got some huge faces. We'd need the big ones. <laughs> but that, they, they'll issue out a duckbill for that. But you're, you're supposed to be fitted. Every single employee in the hospital is supposed to go through employee health. They take you into a room and you actually put on almost like a beekeeper top and they spritz like a uh, sweetener inside of there and you have the N95 on. And if you breathe in and you can taste the sweetener, it's not a good fit and they'll right. give you a different size. So you're supposed to have those employees, employee health say, oh, well, um, Joe Bob, you know, the nurse is a N95 large. We need to get him a large. So they're properly protected and we know it's fitted right. You don't need to protect Joe Bob. He's he's the, he's very expendable at that company. Yeah, he's just a white guy. So uh, now, so when you when you quit, okay, this was it because of basically that environment, or you said you wanted to go into um, I wanted to go into different fields, but um, not at this point in time. You know, the timetable got pushed forward. Uh, it's mainly about resources. You know, I, I'm managing the department, and you're expected to clean a certain amount of square footage in the facility. No matter what, the square footage doesn't change day to day. Everything needs to be wiped down. And with COVID-19, you have extended measures where they're saying, we want every surface wiped down every single two hours around the clock, 24-7, seven days a week. But they weren't giving you any more resources. So let's say uh, pandemic pay or any type of hazard pay, something to say, hey, we understand that this is not what you signed up for. This is a little bit above the grade right now. Something to give a little extra effort for somebody to want to stay or more people to want to come work. Folks that lost their jobs, maybe companies that didn't do the PPP program to keep their jobs saved that did want to come to the hospital and maybe work. But when you see the wage that you're going to get, you can go to Publix, you can go Amazon, you can go anywhere else. You're making $15 an hour. And you're talking about frontline people that are cleaning COVID rooms making $10 an hour starting. Yeah, people that clean the rooms or exposed to the virus who probably can't even afford to go to the hospital that, that, that they work at. Is that accurate? You know what I'm saying? Like well, without health insurance? Well, and that's, that's a big thing too with hospitals in general. They're subcontracting everything. Everything is subcontracted because they're trying to save money from it. So whether it is food and nutrition services, um, let's say environmental services, even your emergency room doctors are sometimes subcontracted there. They do that because now they don't have to offer their benefits package to those people, which imagine how much money that is as well. Benefits, um, on-the-job injuries, liability, all those different things that they're saving millions and millions and millions of dollars. So back in the day when you had in-house stuff, in-house food nutrition, in-house environmental services, in-house plan operations, you had folks from the community that probably either took the bus, rode their bike, something like that to get to work, and they worked there for 25, 30 years. Because they had the hospital benefits that helped their family out. It doesn't matter that they had low wages, but they knew, hey, I've got the same exact health benefits as a nurse or as a doctor or as whoever that's working with the company. Now, when you subcontract that, you're getting essential coverage only and with the companies typically when they're subcontracted because your employer has to give you minimal coverage, and it's not very good. It has... Uh, cap rates on your doctor's visits. If you have too many doctor's visits, then you're paying for each individual one and it's not covered under the insurance and it's not affordable. I used to actually tell my team members, if you can get on Medicare or Medicaid 
or Medicare or something else. I'm sorry, which one is it? That's uh, Medicaid's if you have less than five thousands of of, yeah. of total like uh, assets. Yeah. So I told him if you can get on that, that's going to be better coverage for you than our com- like the company at the time that I was working for at that benefits package. And to me, you're not going to get that dedication that you need in the community or to the hospitals if that's what we're offering. So you weren't um, an employee of the hospital. You were Mm-mm. basically a subcontracted company Absolutely. that did that. Mm-hmm. Any, anybody else uh, quit working? Or Oh, yeah. I lost a lot of team members um, during that time, whether it was to health concerns because of their age range, um, different types of things like that, concerns about, hey, I don't know if this environment's safe for me and what's going to happen. So it, it was definitely a big impact, and not just in this region, but nationwide. I mean, you're having a lot of people that are they're struggling to make sure that they're fully staffed, and that goes with nurses, that goes with technicians, all kinds of different people right now that are struggling. And this was happening before the age of COVID too. When I started in this industry six years ago, there was a nationwide nursing shortage across the nation. That's why you see traveling nurses getting so much better offers as far as pay too, to travel for six months or a year contract and bounce around rather than you see a local nurse too for them to make. So you want that community vibe. Like I was talking about somebody that's going to be there 25 years you're not getting it now because people are trying to chase that money. Sure. Isn't it amazing, you know, what this, this virus is going to change a lot of careers, you know? We have in the room with us, you know, Brandon, who worked in the hospitality industry for, gosh, over a decade, who's just kind of seeing, you know, it's exposing a lot of different fields. And with this being the new normal, you know, I, I, I've heard of nurses switching careers. Um, a lot of what's going on with hospitals and such is, you know, nurses' hours are getting cut, um, and we were talking about it just before the cast, but less people are going to the ER. So I'd love to see some statistics. You know, are more people dying? You know what I'm saying? Or, or, or is this just kind of filtering out the hypochondriacs? No, <laughs> you know we, what I'm saying? Like, yeah. what, do you think that, what do you think that is? Well, we've got a, you know, uh, I've got a really good friend you know very well who was into um, ER recruiting. So they would work for a company, would right. try and recruit ER doctors, right? And he was laid off because, just because of that. I, I think if that. you were a, a plastic surgeon, mm-hmm. you know, and all these electif- uh, elective surgeries and anesthesiologists, they, you know, all the, anything that could wait got put off. See, so, but I don't think perfect breasts can wait. Uh, <laughs> I want shapely, uh, round, uh, you know, kind of... Like very without a bra, without the support of the bra, I think that's more essential than anything for this country right now is perfect, free the formed nipple. breasts, free yes. the nipple, free the nipple, and I, dude, I will be the first to pick it for plastic surgeons' right to create perfect breasts. Well, guys, I think we're just like hitting the tip of the iceberg <laughs> I, I think, here yeah. now <laughs> when we're talking about the perfect breast. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and that might bring up a first of all. Hey, what do you? What do you, what's the peanut gallery think of that Stranahan's? That was awesome. I thought it was delicious. I thought it was Shanahan's at first, and I was like, man, is this because uh, it's from Colorado, right? Yep. But it's Stranahan's. Okay. Stranahan. Michael Stranahan? Or no. No? Stranahan. Stranahan. Okay. I, I loved it. Very good stuff. And now we, we've, so my dad cut us off. Uh, we can't have any more of the Stranahan's because it's too <laughs> expensive for us. So we are now on to the Kirkland Signature Bourbon. Premium um, small batch bourbon. It's freaking good. I just poured myself a glass. Uh, it, for if if you don't know this about Costco, if you go to their liquor store, it's amazing. Only buy the 
anyone that buys the name brand in that Costco, you're 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 missing out. Buy the Kirkland Signature because what they do is they'll approach a bigger company and they'll say, "Hey, we love your product. We'd love to bottle your product in a nameless form and sell it. We won't tell anybody what it is." Um, rumors are flying around. One one is leaked. You know that you can go buy a handle of their vodka and it's straight Grey Goose for twenty bucks for a handle. Ridiculous. So here's the thing about that: um, companies actually have to bottle more than their demand, right? Mm-hmm. So anything that's excess, if it's not getting thrown out, because there are some that get thrown out. If it's not getting thrown out, it's like, all right, well, we got these extra bottles. What are we going to do with them? Right. And then a grocery store will come in and be like, hey. We'll buy those, but we're not going to pay that price for them. We're going to slap our own label on it, and it's just going to be cheaper. And they're like, okay, cool. We're still selling exactly. excess, which we didn't even plan to sell, and right. now we're making more money off of it. Newman, how did your your career get affected by COVID? <laughs> no, actually, he's... he's <laughs> I, I gained a new career. Yeah, he actually his career blossomed during he's COVID. He's a new man. Oh, he did. Yeah. Yeah, man, uh, it's, it's 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 interesting um, with everything that's going on that hospitals are actually losing more money. Well, I was going <laughs> to say, which you're, which you're, uh, we were just talking about with the ER visits and the elective surgeries. What is the number one revenue driver for hospitals? Those are the two number one revenue drivers yeah. right there. And you just cut it out completely. And, and I'm telling you, we're just seeing the beginning of the financial impact right. that this is going to have. The forecast that the financial guys have to do in the hospital field is unbelievable. You know, I know folks in the industry, and when they do their month end and when they're trying to forecast for the next year, I mean, they're setting up. And you're talking about big companies with big CEOs, big CFOs, big bonuses coming at the end of the year. And they're going to be cutting dollars left and right, especially after what you've seen here with the elective surgeries and the ER visits. It's, it's going to be tough. And majority of those people, though, too, a lot of indigent folks that don't actually aren't able to pay for that. That's their primary care is actually going into the emergency room. And I think you saw a lot of that dial back as well. Due out of like due to fear. Oh well, sure. I may have hurt myself, or I might have a belly ache, but I'm not going to go to the ER today. I'm I'm yeah. not going near it. I'm staying far, far away. And you saw it. You could see it in the uh, average daily census of the patients, and and it definitely is going to have something down the road. I don't think we're we're over this. We're going to just see the beginning of what this is going to impact in healthcare. I've seen a lot of the uh, the like urgent care clinics, like they have little private facilities out there, out places offering you know the free COVID and free antibody testing. But like the lines on those are hours yeah. long. Like uh, people it, go to go to a big it, crowd it, to get your COVID you, test. It'll take you eight hours, yep. eight hours sometimes mm-hmm. to get through that just so you can get that test. And it's like, and then you don't get the results immediately, so you got to wait yep. for that too. Like no better combo than large crowds and COVID tests. They were actually, you know, they they were kicking around the idea of actually having that that one reggae festival that's always in St. Pete, Reggae Rise Up. Yep. And uh, they were thinking about putting in a few COVID test stations in. <laughs> no, just can you imagine that mid-concert. Hey, you, the sweaty guy that's been dancing around in the front for the last hour shirtless. Come get your nose checked out, bud. <laughs> I, I mean, with the other stuff that he's probably partaking in, it might be... Um, more relaxing for him. Right? Well, hey, you heard Nancy Pelosi. You know, marijuana cures COVID pro- mm-hmm. is what she heard. <laughs> Go ahead, smoke that up. That Reggae sounds, rise up. I, I that mean, sounds legit. I mean, marijuana. Did Nancy co- Pelosi coconut? say that? Oh, yeah. She, she well, really? there was rumors of it already going around. It's been some, it wasn't her who came out and established it, right. but she actually did come out and say, we've even heard medicinal marijuana has, has reduced the 
temptation or not temptation the uh, the chances of you con- contracting it or combating it or That's something. That's about as medically sound as the hydroxychloroquine. <laughs> yeah, or hydroxychloroquine. Ma- yeah. Mar- marijuana and uh, coconut oil probably can cure just about everything, though, right? So I, I think both sides on the marijuana debate are equally annoying. The the, the, <laughs> the, the side that's so pro marijuana they think it cures every disease and then the other side that thinks you know it's 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 satan's lettuce uh those are equally annoying sides to me i mean i'm I'm a holistic guy i like to try if i don't have to go to the doctor i don't like to take advil i don't like to do any of that stuff so the stuff that it really is like it's disturbing to me though is that vitamin c zinc vitamin d a lot of this stuff is not being pushed out there as an option for people that to hey protect yourself, protect your immune system, get it lifted up. You, the higher your immunity is, the better you can con, uh, combat this virus. And, and you're not hearing it that much. And when you do hear those dissenting voices, it seems like there's a lot of backlash against them as well. Or that, oh, this is witch doctor science. And well, all you sound like things. a libtard. <laughs> well, no, it's, it, we, we were talking about this the other day, um, specifically with Facebook filtering out a lot of these uh, companies that are trying to, to push this stuff. Um, and I, I can see both sides because you do have these people who are like, hey, we discovered a mushroom in Tibet and we think it cures, but there's no medical, you know, if, if, if it hasn't been tested, I think that, you know, your ability to issue these statements about what it cures should be tempered because it's not proven. Well, yeah, but I don't think they're saying like any of the physicians that are talking about immunities and different things like that. They're not saying a cure, but this is something, a preventative measure that you can take. And there were physicians that were doing when they saw early signs of COVID, they were actually administering IVs of vitamin D and zinc and along with different types of medications to help with that. But that boosts those immune systems to fight that virus. And it really helps you out 100 percent. Sure. Like, that's actually stuff that's I'm not talking about like goop. You know, what, what was that? Uh, the actress that sold. Gwyneth Paltrow, Gwyneth Paltrow yeah. selling goop saying, yeah, put the goop on your vagina. And next thing you know, you're cured of all disease and yeah, everything. She's a nut, man. Oh, she's she, a nut. A, a rich nut. That's she, should be, she should be canceled. Yes, canceled. Oh, yes. yeah. Boycott. Boycott. That's the Actually, since we've, we've already delved into that, and, and I think our email is going crazy right now. It is. I just know it. And they're probably saying, you guys should be canceled for being so politically incorrect on the plastic surgery thing. Mm-hmm. Shapely breasts. <clears throat> yeah. So let's, let's shift into that a little bit. Breasts that defy gravity. I, I didn't know we could talk about COVID-19 and how we'd blend the... What's it called? Cancellation. So it's, it's called can- cancel, cancel culture. Cancel culture. It's nothing new, but it's certainly ramped up in recent years. And basically, the cancel culture, it's always existed. You know, when you when you go over the line, step over the line, I mean, we're talking, we live in the Tampa Bay area. There have been people that have been canceled in this area that should have been canceled. Uh, Bub the Love Sponge killed the pig on live on air. Yep. You should have been canceled. But as time has gone on and on, this voice, and you, nobody ever really, it's almost confusing where this voice is even coming from. Like, who's originating this voice? But there, someone does something, they mess up, and then the public opinion just comes on so strong, and this demand that this person deplatform them, take them off. I don't want to see any more of this person. And then they go from, like in Louis C.K.'s case, one of the largest, you know, most famous comedians in the world to he now has to um, assemble and 
broadcast gigs days in advance just so that people don't assemble at his gigs and basically like try and protest him out. Uh, it's it's crazy. Uh, it's getting worse and worse and worse. I I did some research. Okay. Wow, <laughs> this is a good cast. Yeah, this is a good one to listen yeah, to. Cancel culture. So, uh, one of my favorite reporters was always John Stossel. Mm-hmm. You know, some time ago, he he just he just seems to hit the nail on the head. He, yeah, he's not afraid to just drive it home. I, I'm, one of my favorite ones were <clears throat> lawsuits and. Uh, 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 a black man on a bicycle at night gets hit by a Jeep. Okay. A lawsuit ensues. And his point was, do you, did you sue the guy on the Jeep? And all his lawyers said, no, I sued the bicycle manufacturer <laughs> because it didn't have a warning. And if you got a, if you have a bike, you might notice these stickers caution when riding at night, other people may not see you. <laughs> He won the lawsuit, okay, in wow. millions oh of dollars. God. And John Stossel just looked at him. He goes like, well, why don't you have to put a sticker on your bicycle that says, when you go downhill, you might go faster. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> and the he, lawyer goes, no, no, that's stupid. So, right. so Brett, so, did, he, did he win the lawsuit or did it just no, settle they, they, for they, a very large amount? It was a very large amount of money on that one. Did, did it go to? Did it actually go to a go to a judgment, or did they settle? Regardless, no. It was. I, it I'm was, just curious. I, I'm, I'm not really sure. Uh, you're, you're testing. This has been a number of years ago, but he's on Reason.com. Don't test uh, the strength of my dad's research. No, I, I was how just, dare you no, come no, in this that house? Was, that was te- just off the top. I was of my just head. curious. How dare you come in this pod and test the integrity of my father's research? I would never. <laughs> so now, 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 Stossel, he might be other places too, but he's also on reason.com. And uh, I just discovered that this morning. And he, so I'm, I'm giving attribution here. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, so attribution from John Stossel on cancel culture from reason.com. He said, Harold Ulig, a University of Chicago professor and head of the Journal of Political Economy. Now, this guy would probably be a conservative. I think Stossel's actually a conservative. Sure. Had hundreds of people demand he resign when he tweeted Black Lives Matter torpedoed itself with its full-fledged support of defund the police. Okay. Increase, uh, instead of defunding, Ulig suggested train them better, the cops, right? So people demand that this guy gets, you know, fired. Right. You know? And uh, David Shore, an analyst of a Democratic polling from the firm Civics Analytics, tweeted a study that concluded... Race riots reduced Democratic vote share. Now, you could argue that either one of those, defunding the police, certainly does not probably play well with the majority of Americans. I think, it, I, I think that has, by the way, more to do with the misinformation that's out there about what that actually entails. You know, but just, I, I just watch the news. When you, when you look at what are people trying to fight back on, Right. Okay, so anyway, the bottom line is these are all opinions, right? And so if you have a diverse opinion, or maybe that's going against the, the whatever you want to call this, the group of people right. that, you know, you know, just 
their their form of activism is with their fingers, right? right. Uh, on tweeting and that kind of thing. You know, it's, it's a water, not very inclusive. It's right? a it's a lot of virtue signaling. It's yeah. it's like if you hit a chord and you don't agree, like I don't even agree with that guy's statement. I I, I don't, don't even to. yeah exactly. But but should he lose his entire platform? Should he lose his entire career based on it? That seems like just a there's nothing racist about that statement. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing bad about that statement. Maybe it's factually incorrect, but that's the whole thing with cancel culture. It's like, I don't like this statement. Therefore, this guy should go away forever. That's that's pretty much what cancel culture has become. Here's one. A Boeing executive was even forced out for opposing women's service in the military. And he made the comment 30 years ago. Wow. Yep. So digging okay. up, <laughs> digging up tweets and yeah. I can only imagine when I'm 52 years old. Oh, my gosh. You, you millennials. Yeah. And it's a room full. I'm the only boomer. I don't think you understand how much stuff you got out there sometimes. Nope. Okay, boomer. Yeah. No, I'm serious. Okay, boomer. You know, I mean, you've got things that are... Okay, boomer. Well, don't That's you... probably why you're defending uh, or, or, or attacking this cancel culture, by the way. It's no, I'm, I'm against cancel culture. So I guess that's not very millennial of me. But I, I, I think that some things need to be canceled. And uh, some things are just overreactions. Don't you guys think a lot of this has to do with some of the crony journalism that we're seeing, too, and the social oh, yeah. media oh, yeah. and the clickbait media and to make money and how easy it is now like to make money? Like the sports Well, no, because we, we label ourselves. We're satire. We True. Put, we put satire out there, all yep. kinds of other stuff. And it's it's people try to say, oh, this is unbiased opinion. But it most definitely is not. And you have a misleading headline that gets a click, that gets somebody – Whatever you want to call it, advertising what drives is their unbiased opinion. There is no that unbiased opinion. So, yeah. in, well, no, uh, what they say is that they are unbiased. They right. have no, nothing, which is there. impossible. But then, exactly. So, if you're going to come out and say, say what you are, and then broadcast it out, but don't pretend that you're not for one side nor the other. It, I agree. Come out clean, but yeah. people aren't doing that right now because. It doesn't matter anymore. With uh, and I don't know if it ever did with journalism. You know, maybe we don't know that things back in the day were crooked as well in journalism. But you just didn't have social media and other platforms and independent journalists that do do the hard work and put it out there and put out real stuff that that backs it up. But right now, this is a bunch of crony stuff that I see with all this cancellation, like thirty years digging up different tweets. And I think people just do that. They go into the tw Twitter and they find a famous person and they type in a keyword and it will pull up all the different tweets that may have that in right. there. And then they screenshot, 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 and they're going to pull all the skeletons out of your closet. So to reference something that we've brought up many, many times on this cast uh, that you originally brought up and we brought it up because I think it's a really interesting study is your, uh, the article on everybody lies, which is basically, yep. you know, it, it, it explains the phenomenon that, you know, led to Donald Trump being elected. Uh, how were these polls so wrong? And I think what it is, is it's what you're supposed to think, right? Boy. Versus what you actually think. So the social pressures out there about, okay, man, this guy said something. If you need to look for another source to determine how you feel about what that person said, there's something wrong with that. You're, you're, you know what I'm saying? Like you're, it's, it's no longer your opinion. You're, you're, that is now somebody else's opinion that has been almost forced down your throat. Right. Um, so with Trump, it's like, man, I kind of like what the guy's saying, but the world's telling me I shouldn't vote for him. So I'm going to pull in the opposite direction. And then when I go in the voting booth, I'm going to vote for him. And that's sure enough what happened with the rise of Trump for sure.
uh, is like, man, this bad man, you can't can't vote for this guy. Well, and pe- I am far from a Trump supporter, but it's 100%, you know, that that's what happened. Well, people locked in echo chambers, and there's journalists talking about this. Journalists who believe the same things are only following each other now and not reading dissenting views like we were talking about. So when you get trapped in that echo chamber and everybody's saying, oh, yeah, Hillary Clinton's going to win, 99.8% chance of winning, Trump doesn't have a chance. Well, you haven't even looked at the other side. You, you already discredited the whole other side, right? And, and deplorables. I think that was one of the na- main words that Hillary Clinton came out and chastised basically half the country, right? Right. And, and it pissed a lot of people off. And they should have. I mean, they should have. It, mm-hmm. it was it was very uh, disrespectful of another opinion, and it went low. Um, we played a little clip at the very beginning. Yeah, let's play <clears> that. Bill Maher, okay, who probably has, you know, uh, he, he would be uh, a liberal, but also... A pragmatic liberal. Pragmatic, and also I think he, he listens. This is, this is from uh, Real Time uh, with... Bill Maher, and an interview with Megyn Kelly. Now, Megyn Kelly, as you know, said something that I'm sure she could stepped it back. Yes, she wouldn't she, have said it. She wouldn't have said it, but this is a, I'll let you listen to this a little bit. Honestly, because I, this cancel culture, it's so funny. When they do polls, they find like 80 to 90% of the people in this country hate this shit. Yep, Even true. liberals hate this shit. That's they right. hate the, this is one reason why Trump got elected. Because people hate political correctness so much that it'll even take it in the mouth of a werewolf like that when he's not politically because correct. Because he's a fighter, and they right. see he's this a is the package that comes in. Right. But when individual instances come up, everybody is so afraid to stand up. Yeah. I, remember, I mean, you even apologized for something that I didn't think was that awful. It's like, why can't you just say, okay, I was a little inartful about how I expressed that. My bad. I'm sorry. Move on with our lives. Instead of, no, you have to go away for all time. Well, well, who are these perfect people who yeah. have never made any mistake? I mean, my own take on it is the country's going through something right now. You know, that marginalized groups are rising up and trying to find positions at the table, equal positions. And that is, that's a good thing. The difference is in approach. How do we do it? And I, and I understand this fight because as, as a woman and somebody who's, you know, been in the position I was in that we talked about, I, I have also felt marginalized at times and like I don't have an equal footing. But the question is, do we do it with grace and humanity and understanding that people make mistakes and that we're all imperfect and we're gonna screw up maybe maybe more than once. And charity. Right, and kindness and but an understanding that we're all only here for a limited time and we can't it's, expect a perfect score it's, it's, of what, any person. What's galling is that the people who hate bullying are always bullying. You know, like, if you even talk about this, it'll only make it worse. That's so I think that sets it up pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, we, do, we don't know the legality of tapping into Bill Maher's stuff, but uh, that's what prompted this uh, particular time. I, I, I love what he said at the end. The people that are against bullying tend to be the biggest bullies. Rules for thee, not for me. Yep. It's, uh, it's always how it goes. Once it gets flipped on them. Yep. Then yep. it's this is the worst thing that's ever happened. It would really bully you out of your platform because of one mistake you made. Now there are some mistakes that I agree there there's no coming back from. But Megan Kelly, great example. You know, and I was gonna ask you guys who you thought uh has been one of the worst victims of cancel culture. Megan Kelly obviously came up, made her career with Fox News, you know. So immediately she doesn't have a good footing with the left. I get that. But 
she was pretty, you know, uh, I would say she was more along the lines of what, what's the uh, son of the famous uh, 60 Minutes guy. Um, oh, yeah, uh, not Mike Wallace, Chris Wallace. Yeah, Chris, Chris Wallace. So Chris Wall. you know, Fox News does have some people that are pragmatic. You know, there are a lot of stooges for sure on Fox News, people that are just playing this part and are just rolling out propaganda after propaganda. I would argue that Megyn Kelly wasn't necessarily one of the stronger no, people. No, I mean, who was a big, uh, you know, you think about it. She, Trump hated she, her. She turned it upside down with the Me Too movement, yeah, right? There's a whole exactly. movie. Yep. whole movie, and, you know, she plays a, uh, you know, her, her character. Yep. <laughs> plays a part in that. And um, so it, it it's definitely a real thing. Yep. And, and I think if... She was defending herself on Fox News. She was saying the reason it got so big is that the other side wasn't being heard. And she also said something sure. about CNN. If you listen to CNN or MSNBC now, um, they've gone way left, right? It's like if you listen to Fox and you listen to CSN or MSNBC, they're on like total opposite ends of the spectrum. So you're stretching the thing out now yeah. because everybody's trying to counter the other person. You know why I think that is, though? For anybody that can watch cable news, I think it's ridiculous. Turn last time I turned on CNN, last time I turned on MSNBC, certainly the last time I turned on Fox News, couldn't tell you. No. I, 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 my entire consumption of Fox News, CNN is like when I'm waiting for my car to get washed and it's on in the lobby. It, literally, this is the thing. I was in Miami and I, I, I sat there and watched like 15 minutes of Fox News and I was sitting there like, wow, first of all, why would you put this on your, the lobby of your car wash? But then I'm also thinking like, who the hell is watching this on 1 p.m. on a Tuesday? And the, the thing is, the rise of Fox News, like you were saying, it's because a group became so marginalized Right. That right. a news organization came along to kind of echo their opinions. And that's really what, if you watch Fox News, it's just a, it's an affirmation of your views, right? right. Every segment is dedicated towards affirming your views. Um, and so. Well, especially, especially the, um, uh, what would you call them? The editorial yeah. guys in the evening mm -hmm. and. Uh, but like, like I don't watch it, so I, I can't even name who that is. Like you said, they're they're stretching their ideologies, sure. and I think yeah. it's out of necessity because yeah. Yeah. the the individuals that are consuming twenty four hour news networks are people that have really strong opinions on either side. So if you if you build yourself as this middle of the road, you know, moderate news station, nobody's going to watch that shit. You're not going to last. You're going to have grounded opinions. Um, you're not going to have, dude, it's, it's guys going on being like, man, I hate this so much. I need to turn on a news station to tell me that my hatred is justified. And it's on both sides. It's both MSNBC. It's both Fox news. It's, right. it's both these sides that are just, yeah. And turn the shit off, man. I mean, I'm telling you, turn it off, turn it off. and don't get stuck in the echo chamber on social media. Look at dissenting views, treat it as a freaking Venn diagram with Go ahead and read both sides and whatever they're coming in that gray area in the middle, that's where you're finding some truth. But don't be afraid to expose yourself to that just because you're reading it and you're cringing. Guess what? If you really want a full viewpoint and not get trapped into this cancel culture and this echo chamber, you have to do it. And right. if you're not going to, then I'm sorry. Then maybe you shouldn't be as visceral and as 
aggressive as you are with your opinion if you haven't gone that way. I wonder if there won't be a rebound, you know, because the cancel culture, you know, and, and, and Bill Maher said it very good, says uh, 90% of liberals hate it, you know, mm-hmm. they can't stand it. So we were talking earlier about Don Rickles. Yeah. Would he make it today? Now, he, you know, uh, uh, Jewish comedian born in like uh, 1926, right? He made an entire career. I was just making fun of people. And it had was no holds barred. I mean, this guy, I mean, he would make fun of anybody in this room, and he would have a liner for it. And, and here's a little, here's a little uh, cut from Don Rickles. It was during a, um, a, a roast of Mr. T. <laughs> Peace. And I've been kindness and warmth. I love the black people. <laughs> the black people of my life, my world, they do what they're told. <laughs> We're honoring Mr. T. Why? <laughs> I met this man many, many years ago in a 7 Eleven store and he said, Give me your money. <laughs> You're Chinese, right? Chinese? This girl here? If you're not, get your eyes fixed. So, I'm thinking of Chinese boys sitting there going, who's Chinese? Who's Chinese? So, I mean, that would not, I, I cannot understand that playing today. If if uh, Louis C.K., <laughs> I don't remember his. So, Louis C.K. is one of the most interesting comedians of all time um, because he, over years of performing on stage, was able to expand what the public tolerated to a level that no other comedian has ever achieved. This is a white, like Irish American who was literally empowered because of the way that he stretched people's boundaries. He said the N word liberally on all the sets. He, I don't know if you, you probably, a lot of you probably don't know this, but there's a movie out there called Pootie Tang and Chris Rock's in it, and it's just a stupid... It's so... Sa-da-te. It's so Sa-da-te. freaking funny. It's about this rapper who literally... He doesn't... He, like, doesn't even... He's so incoherent. He makes no sense. He literally says no actual words, but he's, like, the most famous, like, artist in the world. Um, and he directed this, and he... I think he even had a part in writing it. Uh, so he garnered this respect, but in the end... It came out that he had this sexual weirdness about him uh, where, and this is really what it was, is he would ask female comedians, a lot of, lot of female comedians have actually come out in support of what he did. Uh, not su- not what support. He did. <laughs> support. Su- support is the wrong word. Um, context about right. what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So he would literally ask, he would get drunk, get, you know, do some drugs, and he would ask the female comedians in the room, hey, this is, this is so awkward. I completely agree. Hey, would you mind if I masturbated in front of you? <laughs> and so uh, always with consent, weird, <laughs> weird consent, weird consent. That's, an, that's a weird question to ask. You got to think the but, green the green room in the back of a comedy show. Like it's, comedy that's where it happened, too, apparently. Yeah, and yeah. all the green rooms. And those guys are getting crazy back yep. there. I so mean, no all, the, all the shit he pulled... And then that was what ended his career. It's very bizarre. You know, it's certainly cherry picking. I mean, if if you're a comedian and you go on stage, I mean, look at 
Kramer from Seinfeld. He said the M word once and his career was over. Yeah, in a, in a rant. It, it was a dumb rant, for yeah, sure. It, he was getting uh, heckled. Like that was like yeah. the early stages of cancel culture, though. Right. Uh, Michael Richards, I think, is it right? Yes, that's correct. Uh, so he he came out, and his career like just completely ended. Uh, now, the funny thing about Michael Richards, in hindsight, wasn't that good of a comedian. So I think people were just kind of waiting for the time to be like, hey, you know what? You're Kramer, and that's all you are. Well, well, <laughs> You're typecast. The, the physical comedy from the actual television show yeah. is where he got the most of his laughs. Sure. And how much of that is him acting and how much of it is the writing. Right? Sure. Like, he took the character probably to a, the level that it did, so that was funny. Yep. But outside of that character, yeah. he wasn't really that funny. He's guy. not interesting. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? As it turns out, he's not interesting. So I think it was more like, hey, you know what, Michael Richards, we're kind of waiting for you to kind of get out of here. Uh, you said this word and now we're done with you. That was like the early stages of cancel culture, but now it's gotten to a point. I mean, Ellen is getting canceled currently. Well, um, well, she's getting canceled. Oh, she's getting canceled. She will be done. Her producers were a bit abusive. Her her producers Uh, are a bit abusive. She's getting, she is also a part of this whole controversy. It's basically a hostile environment that she created uh, and was a part of. So she's getting canceled now. So, and dude, like, what would you consider Ellen on the uh, political spectrum? Probably pretty far left. Mm-hmm. Um, well, she got knocked for sitting next to George W. Bush in a football yeah, game. Yeah, that photograph, Remember? he got, she you got know? ripped. And she's just being cordial, mm-hmm. you know? I yep. mean, I don't, I don't get it. In fact, since we got, a, we got an expanding room here of all white people. Yep. <laughs> Very diverse <laughs> segment in here. So... Hold you know. on. We may have one non-white. Well, yeah. We don't know about Brandon. Brandon's very Brandon. racially ambiguous. We need 23 and me for Brandon. <laughs> trying to figure out. 23 where, and me. He is, he's one of those. Yeah. yeah. There's the something. you can't quite put yeah. a finger on. Yep. You know what? Like, he's probably white. Probably. But there's definitely some Spanish in there. So, the, Bill, Bill, Maher, Bill Maher just recently on his real time had an... <laughs> it was a rant on politically overly politically correct white people. Okay, that that uh, it, well, we'll just play it here and we'll comment on this. And finally, no rule. White liberals have to start listening to me when I tell them you can't be more offended than the victim. It happened again last week when presidential contender Andrew Yang faced criticism because he said that SNL should not have fired comedian Shane Gillis over racist comments Gillis made about Asians. That's when the internet did what it does best and deemed Yang a racist for for not being offended. Because if he wasn't offended, well, someone had to be. There was a study done last year where people were asked to rate their feelings about various races, and white liberals were the only group that has a bias against themselves. (laughs) They want to hang out only with people who are not them. That's like your mother preferring the neighbor's kids. Yeah, so with... Virtue signal. I completely, yeah, the virtue signaling, virtue. and it's it's the left, and dude, it's the right, too. Well, well, let's be real. Um, sure. The right has every bit, you know, I think it's more on the left, for sure. Um, but the right is guilty of this as well. You know, you say one thing. Um, they're almost creating this club 
What, what was the Woody Allen line? I would never want to be a part of a club that would have someone like me as a member. Well, it's it's tribalism at at its fullest. If you're on my team, then it, I don't know if I'm going to cancel. You can apologize. Everything's okay. But if you're not on my team, you're out. You're you're right. off the board. See you later. Never to come back again. And that that's where I think we're reaching dangerous waters. This this whole tribalism mentality, us versus them. When we all know that we're all into this together, so to speak, quote unquote. Right. Not to use the line everybody's been using for COVID, but it's the truth. All we want is a better life for our families, our kids, everybody else. And, and this nonsense needs to stop. I'm, are you, I'm sick of it. Are honestly. you implying that we should not? I think we should cancel Kurt. I but, think he's implying that we should not all be in this together. I, I would like to formally announce that we are officially canceling Kurt. Yeah. Blonde hair, blue eyed white guy. I don't Nobody's agree with. Be mad. It, he, he doesn't have a bit of brown in his melanin. I am. I'm going to say it right now. You're canceled, Kurt. German and Scottish, bro. It's easy. <laughs> Lock it up. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> Kurt's, Kurt's got his hat on backwards, so mm-hmm. he's trying to reach out. Very cool. And mm-hmm. um, Word to your mother. He's got the snapback. It's on backwards. Very 90s. I like it. I think, I think really the bottom line of this is we're looking for diversity, right? A diversity of thought. And the cancel culture is basically trying to um, gang up in ways that only social media could allow. And it, it, it's, it's, it's a bad thing, right? Sure. I mean, it, it, we're, we're, we brought up a lot of examples. Um, I know in my notes I had um, Harry Potter... <laughs> Uh, J.K. Rowling, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, Good call out. Yeah. She, She's oh, getting canceled currently. Uh, she, yeah, well, she, yeah, but it's hard to cancel an author. A few people in her publishing house, you know. She's getting ram- to work with her. She's getting rammed right now. People are still going to pick up, you know, I think she's done with the Harry Potter series. But, and her, her <laughs> she made fun. In fact, here, here was a quote. And this, I can, I can see myself perhaps responding to this, but uh, she didn't back down on, uh, you know, she was, she was being um, called transphobic. Mm-hmm. Okay. For stating that uh, uh, force women, uh, women out of their jobs for stating that sex is real, meaning, you know, biology, you know, whatever. So she mocked a charity after this, they used the phrase people who menstruate, Rather than, <laughs> rather than you know, uh, claiming any gender. Who menstruates? People who who menstruate. Mm. Who is that? And uh, <laughs> and Newman. <laughs> you menstruate. You know, anyway, men menstruate. You know? Further, it, men it, do straight. It, it, it further incensed the mob, and it claimed, uh, uh, it claimed her hate leads to trans women, especially teens and blacks, trans women being victims of sexual assault. Now, I don't know, maybe there's some study on that, but you know, anyway, she's being an author. I suppose you're, you're you can't be canceled from a network or whatever. Right. Your books are out there. They're, they're obviously well-loved and everything else. And I think she's moved on to another genre. She's made billions. So billions, she doesn't probably give a crap right now. You know, what's interesting is she, she just needs to come out with another sequel. Maybe like, to address the whole situation that's going on with her. And I have a title for her. So J.K. Rowling, I know you're listening right now. You're, you're probably our biggest listener at the Boomer Millennial Divide. 
I have a title for your next book. It's called Harry Potter and the Chamber of Echoes. <laughs> and it's, it's here to address the cancel culture and how it's affecting you. So Harry Potter, <laughs> I even have a plot for it. Harry Potter <laughs> attends school. And he puts out a Facebook post about his school. And Facebook post disagrees with a certain group of people. So Harry Potter is immediately canceled expelled Expelled. from the school with his wand with his wand his wand which is so phallic and damn you harry potter for using that phallic wand let's go back to the cigars what are you thinking it's gone down a little bit mine i've had to constantly relight it because i keep talking i love it dude love the cigar so again that is a alec bradley magic toast cigar it's smooth The, the crowd like it out there Okay. So when we first started the Boomer Millennial Divide, the whole thing was that we were going to rate whiskeys, rate cigars. Well, you may have noticed, if you've listened to a few of our casts, we've kind of bailed on that concept. And the reasoning is sound. <laughs> we don't know. We crap. don't know what the hell we're talking we about. We just like it or we don't. What, we can't say. Chocolate spices? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No. We, 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 we're we're not very good at that. So we would review... We would review other people's reviews about what we were drinking. And then once we realized that we weren't picking up on any of this shit, you'd be like, hmm, <laughs> there's like a, like a cocoa finish with like a little bit, just a tad bit of maple. Maybe like, a little vanilla uh, extract. I have no idea. I could never, my palate is not that good. Um, I don't know if I'm qualified to rate this cigar, but I'm just going to tell you, it's good, good. Have you ever met someone that really, now Nancy, my wife, is really good at pulling things out of flavors. Nancy's your wife? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She menstruates. She does. (laughs) (laughs) So in any case, um, there are people uh, that that are able to do that. I just know what I like and I know what I don't like. Mm -hmm. That's how, that's the only way I want it. Don't complicate things. So, yeah, exactly. so we went from a, a zero to 10 review where we had to lay down a base of, okay. <laughs> we had to lay down our qualifications for the review. And then we, you know what? We're just switching to this cigar is good. This bourbon's good. Yeah, I want to congratulate you. Uh, we're here. The um, uh, sports memory is one year old. Yep. Woo-woo. Uh, another kind of offshoot out there. So. The, the staff is all coming in to, uh, to celebrate the one-year anniversary. Congra- congratulations. Yep, we got some lobster. We got some steak. Uh, we got a bunch of people. Kurt is actually on the Sports Memory. Uh, he's also a regular participant in the Sports Memory podcast. But, yes, a year ago today, we started the Sports Memory. And uh, after this, we'll be canceled. Yes. We, dude, <laughs> it, and that's a funny thing. When do we go too far? We go we go too far on a daily basis. You know, you know what the funniest shit is about running a social media platform like the Sports Memory? You know, we've accumulated over 45,000 followers within a year. Um, we've done well. When, as ridiculous as we are, what is the point that we do get canceled? What What is the post well, that cancels us? I, I'm Here, really not sure because a, a lot of times we'll, we'll run some posts by each other and we'll be like, hey, is this too far? Did I yep. go too far with this? Is this good with you? And the answer will be like, eh, maybe you could adjust this. Oh, okay. All right, cool. I'm going to run it out. It is perfect. <laughs> because the most controversial posts that we put out there on social media are 
always the most successful. The best. You know, since the last time the boomer millennial divide in between here, we don't even have the Washington Redskins anymore, right? We've got right. the no. football team. Washington, Washington football, football, team. football team. That's a slur. Mm-hmm. And, well, <laughs> here's one. I yeah. mean, I, I know um, uh, Drew and I are huge Minnesota Viking fans. Maybe we should act like the Minnesota Viking symbol itself yep. is a slur. Towards Scandinavians. <laughs> well, you guys aren't allowed. You guys can dress in your Viking garbs, but nobody else. So nope. no, no headdresses at Kansas City Chiefs games anymore. No, nope. 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 Not allowed. I picture a swatch of skin colors that they hold up to us at the entrance of the Vikings <laughs> thing, and they say, mm, okay, you Not can pass. white enough. You're white enough. Okay. But your brown friend here, he needs to leave. Here, here's, a, here's something to kind of bring us out of here. This is, this is George Carlin. Uh, and George is, is always good at pulling up stuff, and I, I, I brought up Kurt's backward hat. So this is a little bit from George Carlin as we start to wind this episode down. Another abomination. White guys over 10 years of age who wear their baseball hats backwards. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You're never going to be as cool as black guys. It's not going to happen. You're white and you're lame. It's a fucking law of nature. Turning your hat around and learning a complicated handshake will not make you cool. (laughs) Okay. Well. That's great. That is our boomer millennial divide. I know Drew would always extend these things a little bit, but um, we're going to bring this to a close. Well, yeah. Yeah, I can't. I got control of the the, the board that you, you brought back in out of this nicely packed thing into a duffel bag. So didn't want to get my wife fired by going into her room while she was doing appointments. It's been a pleasure. Can't even hear me. It's Uh, been a pleasure. Thank you, Newman. We're always liking you sitting out there in the background, taking it all in. Newman is our fact checker. He's a a pretty good fact checker. Uh, He's all right. (laughs) So anyway, from the Boomer Millennial Divide here at Esther's Longhouse Nordic Pub and Cigar Lounge, it's good to be back. Thank you for having me. Great. You betcha. I'm Thanks. glad I didn't kill you. All right. <laughs>